Welcome to One Decent Pastor, a weekly podcast of The Door located in Central Oregon, where three completely average guys join forces to make One Decent Pastor and to discuss, discover, and promote all things Bible. Uppies. <laughs> I never heard that before. It's a it's a word that Lindy has now for Lincoln. Uppies. <laughs> and so she'll it's it, it's annoying. Sorry, honey. Did you I thought you said suppies, like So I did. Oh you did. But okay. her word is uppies. Gotcha. So like she'll come to him and be like, yeah. Uppies? Uppies? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're like And I'll make fun of her and she'll be like, You know you had words like that when we were kids. <laughs> it's like, nah, I didn't sound stupid like yeah. that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm sure I did. Okay, let's start it over in three, two, one. Yeah. Good morning. Welcome to One Decent Pastor. I love my daughter. <laughs> I love you, Wendy. We'll edit that out, Lindy, and you'll never know what we're, happened. We're not going to edit it out. No. Let's not. be real. Uh, today's the first day of the camp out. If anybody's listening and doesn't know, I think we've announced it enough times, but Ogden Campground. That's right. Show up around 2 o'clock or so, and it should be a fun time to hang out. I think they did some work up there. Because uh, I drove by there the other day on the way back to Little Pine, and it looked like they graveled some stuff and cleaned it up a little bit. Because it used to just be dust. A lot of dirt, yeah. And, I mean, it still is dirt. <clears throat> um, is there a, the Sunday service on the 3rd? Is that happening? Yep. Have we been announcing that? Because Little Pine probably it? needs to know. Yeah, July 3rd. Did you I didn't. I okay. forgot to. Dude. So, so July 3rd. a lot of my mind. <clears throat> so in Little Pine. Um, they have this celebration called Frontier Days, and it's a multi-day you know, thing with vendors and music and food and that kind of stuff in Lapine. And uh, they've invited us to uh, put on the Sunday service this year on July 3rd. And so we're going to be doing that. So, neat opportunity. Brent's super excited to not He's thinking about what that lady said, dude. I was thinking about that. He's thinking about that. Actually, you need to read that if you still have it. You need to read it right now to our people. It might be a little bit brash to read on the air. Dude, right? no, no. Seriously, no. So, so, we had an official person from the city down there get a hold of Chad to ask him to do this and kind of give him the rundown on how it should be done if we do the church service down there. Chad? He's not pulling it up. Yeah, I'm not. You got to hear it to to really. I've set it up now. You can't can't just leave it like. Why can't I don't have the audio? I just can't just play it. We need to pray for our nation and stars and stripes. It's about stars and stripes, praying for our nation, crap like that. Is what she said. She literally said that. It was pretty funny. It was fantastic. Anyway, so that uh, would have been better if you read it than have me quote misquote it. (laughs) So Sunday, that's two Sundays from now in Lapine. The church service won't be at the building. It will be out at the Frontier Park, which Uh, uh, no, it'll be at the uh, Frontier Days Land, uh, which is off of Sixth Street behind City Hall. So more and more info to come as we actually, Um, and it will be at nine thirty, not our normal ten a.m. So half hour earlier. Sounds like a big mess. I don't think I'll make it. I'll, I'll be there representing. I'll get up that right. early for my country. <laughs> Anything else to it? <laughs> right. Wow, this is <laughs> this is a good start today. <laughs> it's an odd day in yeah. general. So, all right, it is coming off a bad headache. So, not headache. Sorry. Um, do we have I free know. food market this weekend? Is that this week? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Yep. So in Lapine. I'm not saying anything anymore. <laughs> Just ruining our podcast. No, you're, you're making it good. <laughs> pray and get into it, dude. It's just time. <laughs> All right. Somebody pray. 
Lord, thanks for the day. Thanks for the time we get to um, just hang out together and, and talk about important things. We pray that you bless this time and uh, that you would edify your church through it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, so we're talking about two different things today, spiritual gifts and evangelism. Mm. So let's start off with spiritual gifts. Mm. Get that one out of the way right up front. Um, I wanted to find some, ask you guys to define some terms here as, we, as they pertain to spiritual gifts. And so we, we kind of put, put people in a couple of different categories is, in terms of how they view spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are you know, kind of falling in a camp of, of being a cessationist or a continuist. What, what do those terms mean? What does it mean to be a cessationist? <laughs> uh, basically the idea that, that certain gifts have ceased. So um, that's the idea of the word cessation is that it, they've, they've stopped. They don't normally, um, it kind of varies, but they're not generally consistent. The, the ones that we like that aren't weird. Right. We generally say those are still for today, the ones that make us uncomfortable. And they wouldn't define, I'm being a little cynical about it, but the ones that you you know, you know don't like or are uncomfortable, like tongues or healing or things like that, they right. would say those are, so the sign gifts. The ones that seem sensational have ceased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those are gone. Uh, but the ones that are normal and that we feel good about, we, we, we'll keep those here. Mm-hmm. And it, so it's a little odd in that regard. And right. there's, there's, there's a lot of people in that camp. The ones that we can do. We'll keep. <laughs> and the ones that seem like they're from outside right. of us, we're, we're going to get yeah. rid of. I've so, heard people uh, delineate the, like the sign gifts and the ministry gifts. Yeah. So continuationists would say, and we would be, I think, we would be under the umbrella of the continuationists. The, the gifts have continued today, and yet we would say that um, we need to be careful with them and make sure that they don't become the star of the show. I think a lot mm-hmm. of churches have, have made that become the, <clears throat> the focal point of things instead of maybe the gospel. And so, so we would use, you know, the old phrase that we borrow from somebody we, we don't speak of anymore, um, you know, charismatic with a safety with a belt, uh, you know, kind of fits us probably pretty well. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Which is also biblical, right? Because the, the epistles talk about um, gifts mm-hmm. being in the church, even weird ones being in the right. church, but yeah. then talks about how they should be done in the church. Right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and we'll unpack some scripture um, here in a moment. Uh, and talk about you know, kind of the use of the gifts in the church. Um, but continuing with, with some definitions, uh, is there a difference between um, being charismatic and being Pentecostal? Like you said charismatic with a seatbelt. Is there a difference between charismatic and Pentecostal? Should, and the, so, should the guy that comes out of the Pentecostal church answer that himself? <laughs> I, I get to ask the questions today. <laughs> so I always I always define them as like charismatic's weird and Pentecostal's crazy. <laughs> like those are kind of that's the jump yeah. from one category to the next. Weirder, weirder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that works. I, I I grew up as I've said many times before in a Pentecostal church. Um, you know, as a kid, and you know, saw a lot of things that can't be unseen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, even participated in some of those things, um, and it wasn't until you know my teenage years where I started to kind of question some of that. Think like this is kind of weird, and maybe um, just stuff that I had grown up with my whole life just you know began to question it. And, and you know, God and His grace you know moved me into I think a better a better theology. Question. Uh, yeah. Would Brent be uncomfortable in one of those churches? Oh yeah. <clears throat> me. That. If, if there's a, a better word than uncomfortable, a stronger word than uncomfortable, it would be that. I've been in those kinds <laughs> of settings, and yes, it makes me extremely uncomfortable. We were at a church one time um, where they they were standing, and uh, everybody's arms were raised, and they were singing a song, and they were singing it for a really long time, and I was with a girl at the time that was a Christian a friend of mine, and I said, well, how long is this song going to go on? And she said, they're waiting for us to raise our hands. <laughs> and I went, oh, 
like, well, they're going to sing the song forever <laughs> before I raise my hands. Uh, right. I, like, dug in, and, and I had no idea. And then there was just a lot of other weird things that went on. And I don't yeah. mind people that raise their hands. That's that's not really an issue, but it was a very strange, yeah. and even that made me yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. So. Well, even if, like, there's a, a, a heavy spiritual emphasis, right? So, like, a lot of times in our conservative churches, we... We don't have a big emphasis on the spiritual reality that surrounds us. Right. They tend to go the other direction and have a humongous emphasis right. on the spiritual. So, like, if you walk into a church and the first thing you see is, like, seven ways to cast out a demon, you're probably in a Pentecostal right. church. Right. Because that's usually the the emphasis. Yeah. 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 yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> I remember one time when I was in high school in our church, uh, during singing, uh, like, a conga line broke out. Wow. And I just thought, that's weird. Like, Never thought I'd see this in church, and I was the one person that didn't jump in the conga line. Everyone's, you know, doing the thing around. Was it like hands on hips conga yeah. line? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I would have had your back. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been right with you. And I just sat there, like I was the one person. Like it was, it was awkward to not do it, but it would have been more awkward. To, Even at to an office party where people are having, you know, mostly drunk or so, I would not join a conga line. <laughs> right. So especially in church, yeah. I, I offended a lady one time who was talking about we could have the. She goes, "Yeah, we could, we could have flags and we could have." And I thought she was joking. Like the, I started laughing. I'm like, "Yeah, well, we could get one of those those big hands or some, ter- some terrible towels." And she goes, "No, the flags are a real thing." And I, uh, oh. So apparently yeah. there's churches that have flags on poles. Or so are the church, foamy hands. Our church Those are real flags thing. on poles. <laughs> well, they would run through, you know, through the aisles with these flags. I yeah. guess. And I'm sorry. I'd never heard of that. I didn't know. Yeah, I know our, our church had that. Our church had ribbons, like ribbons on a stick, yeah. you know, kind of a thing. Huh. Uh, we had blankets Chicken to wear. On a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Corn on a stick. <laughs> we are in rare form today. Um, we had blankets, so like if somebody you know got slain in the spirit and they fell like a lady with a dress or somebody had blankets that you would put over. I saw people. A, I saw a service one time. Yeah. They had black. I thought they were like pretending like they were dead or something. They would cover them with black, like a body. Uh, was, you you know, we didn't do that. They would put black, we didn't go that black far. blankets over, not their heads, but it was. I thought, what are they doing? But that's that makes sense. Yeah, this is like if the lady was wearing a dress. Okay, so they put them over everybody. Keep their dignity, so you cover them with a blanket huh. while they're being undignified on the floor. <laughs> All right, realistic. You know. Um, <laughs> While they're being undignified yeah. on the floor. <laughs> we, we, you know, our, our church, like we had, you know, like the holy laughter. Remember, like that was kind of a thing in the 90s. You know, we had that. We had people who, uh, there was a big uh, vineyard church in Canada, like in Toronto, I think, where people would like fly to to Toronto to get the spirit. Oh, like bring zip lines? Or like... No, they hop on a plane and they oh. travel. They'd travel to Toronto thinking that I they... I thought you were talking about across the auditorium. Yeah, no, no. They would travel from all over the world to go to Toronto hoping that like they would get the Holy Spirit yeah, and bring yeah. it back. Toronto to Blessing. Church. Yeah, the yeah. Toronto Blessing. Yeah. yeah, our church was full on. I mean, in, fa- in fairness, there, there is an aspect of wanting to experience God more yeah. and, and really wanting to see true manifestations of His Spirit in our midst, the, you know, the power of God that I think is... It's it's easy to kind of laugh at and stuff, mm-hmm. but I know that at some point that's the heart of where this comes from is that we want to experience more of God, but I think sometimes we we try to almost manufacture that rather than right. let it occur. But I'll I'll admit that I would love to see I would love that to you know to see something truly miraculous sure. in that sense would be cool. <clears throat> well, I think what what it ended up being you know kind of in my looking back on it you know hindsight's twenty twenty and, and just knowing more now than I knew you know as a kid growing up and having a more you know more of a theological grounding uh, but at the end of the day it really was just a man centered theology mm-hmm. and it was about you know my experience not not about Correct. you know what Christ has done for me uh, and I don't know, people kind of in that movement would not say that they might not agree with that but right. but now that I'm out of it, looking back on it it's exactly what it was right. Which is the interesting part of it, right? Like the, the scripture is pretty clear that 
that the the spirit testifies of Christ. Right. It, like it's its whole job and purpose and mission and um, everything that, that that he does is to testify of the gospel. And yet we've taken him to this place where it's like no, he just does tricks. Right. So that we can sit around and be wowed. And that's where it's just gotten completely right. Well, and the goal seems to be to, to, to get on this emotional wave and stay there. It is. And, yeah. and, and that's just not sustainable. It's experience. Um, yeah. Right. So I want to experience yeah. something. Right. Yeah. yeah. And if you go to church and you don't experience something, yep. well, what was the point of that? Yep. And yeah. And it becomes very, you know, emotion-driven, yep. and, and that's not yeah. sustainable. Mm-hmm. And one of the ironies of it is that there's, I don't know if you guys have heard this term before, but there was a term within, you know, the Pentecostal movement especially where they say this is like we're a full gospel church. Yep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I remember there, oh, there was yeah. uh, we had a group within our church of a full gospel businessmen. Uh, I remember as a kid that you know like the guy like the professional guys in the church had a you know a group that they would meet and that's what they called themselves was the full gospel hmm. businessmen. They had these little badges that they would wear that said full. I'm gospel. kind of more of a quarter gospel. Yeah. Guy, maybe. Yes, you are. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. even not a quarter. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I was trying to be generous. Full gospels out of the question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and so just it's an ironic term you know that has come out of a movement that at worst, has strayed from the gospel. Maybe mm-hmm. not the entirety you know, of the movement, I don't know, but, but certainly you know, portions of, of that movement have well, strayed from the gospel. Well, we talk about gospel, gospel. being gospel-centered, and it's, not, it's a very different thing. The idea is that we focus on the person and work of Christ right. over and above our experiences, over and above all these, you know, these extra things that go mm-hmm. on in churches. And so, but there's a very, it's funny because even the name, I didn't realize when we'd, we'd chosen the name, The Door, that <laughs> that's generally uh, yeah. known as a charismatic or Pentecostal. Yes. Most churches that have that name are... Yeah, that. Yeah, almost every yeah. church you would find anywhere on the map called the door would be probably Pentecostal. Yeah, probably just like yeah. pretty pretty radical. Whoops. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we're we're redeeming we're redeeming yeah, the it. name for conservatism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a friend who's a very uh, like a reformed conservative, you know, ultra conservative uh, pastor, and he's part of a, a fellowship called the Fire Fellowship, and it's just always this funny because that seems like a, yep, that it would a be name. a charismatic thing, but, yeah, it, yep. but it's very much not that that's weird. at all. Yeah, if the word so, fire so in the name, that. like that's that's a giveaway yeah. that it's Pentecostal usually. Temple, right? Glory. Like there's all there's like yeah. those those word, those, those <laughs> ones that they gravitate to that just says it all, right. you know? Right, Yeah, so well, now that we've kind of defined, you know, some, some terms of what we're talking about with, with being a cessationist or continuist and charismatic versus Pentecostal, uh, let's dig into some scripture a little bit. One of you guys want to look up uh, 1 Corinthians 12? What's up? You, you got that? You so, so Brent, do you want to look up uh, Romans 12? If you have First Corinthians twelve four to eleven, four to eleven, uh, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit of the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom; to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the Spirit. To another, uh, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. 
So <clears throat> we don't have time to like go through each of those you know, one by one, and that's not the goal today. But just broadly, what do, what do we what do we take from that that you just read? What we learned. Well, we take from it what he's going to go into <laughs> later on in the same section that it's just the, the same as our human bodies that we have a body, a body one that's made up of different parts, and uh, they're not all they're not all the same. They all have a different function. They have a different <coughs> purpose, which is what makes it a body, and that's really what's it's it's one spirit who's empowering or distributing gifts um, to the body, but they're manifest gifts. They're they're various. Yeah. Well, even the idea that they're interdependent, so that, that, that each of those are important, and if, if something's lacking, then there's a then we're handicapped. Yeah, handicapped yep. in the yep. body in some way. So, yep. which also makes a good argument for continuationism, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah. <clears throat> the church I grew up in, we um, almost every year uh, we would take spiritual gift tests. We never did one of those, but they had a test. It was like a you know like color in the circles kind of a test and then you would come out and they would tell you like here like are, are your rankings of your spiritual gifts <clears throat> like nobody wanted to rank high on hospitality like we all wanted you know the cool ones like prophecy or something like that and kindness yeah. so you so you try to skew the test you know to get the good ones and then afterwards you know, like we get to well, what'd you get oh man yeah, what'd you get oh yeah sorry about that <laughs> you that's know, awesome like we take these tests and i just even even at that time i thought that was weird but looking back like i don't don't know that it's meant to be that complicated <laughs> well i would agree i think that what happens so, so often is you 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 take this hoping to figure out what you're supposed to do in the church and the truth is that we've already been told what to do in the church yep. and so whether you ever figure out what your spiritual gift is or not we've been told to encourage each other we've been told right. to pray for each other we've been told to serve each other and, and the truth is when you do those things just the basic things we've all called to do your gifts kind of rise to the surface sure so it'll just become evident what what you're called to, you know where you kind of fit in that whole thing. Yeah. But I think people sit on the sidelines waiting for that, you know, that moment of clarity. Oh, now I know what I'm supposed to do. And it's like, no, there's tons of just love each other well. Right. And you're probably going to do pretty well. So So do you think, given what you just said, what, what David just read, is that, a, is that meant to be an exhaustive list? Like there, there's a, like a finite number of spiritual gifts? Yeah, no, this is definitely not exhaustive. And so, so how do we how do we know? I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, but if someone's out there questioning, like, how do I know how I can contribute to the church or how I can serve the church? How, how do we know? Or someone that's just like, I really need to know what my spiritual gifts are. What would you say to them? It's it's usually um, like I think it's like you said. It's not as complicated as we make it. And so, like um, God wired us even before we came to the knowledge of Him. Like He formed us in our mother's womb. So. Uh, we're wired in a way in which in which he has already placed certain abilities or gifts or whatever you want to call them. So we all have passions. I remember Peyton Jones used to, uh, when he would sit down with a church planning team that was going to plant a church in a new area, they would open up the newspapers, like the local newspaper, and he would hand each, each person a Sharpie with their own copy of the newspaper and say, I want you to go through and circle things that you think are great needs. And all he was doing was identifying, basically you would end up with people's passions, where their hearts were, what their hearts were for, the way that they were wired by God. And so the reality is that we're, we're already naturally, even unbelievers are walking in something that God has wired into them. Uh, I do believe there, there's a spiritual aspect or igniting of a gift that goes on with a believer sure. that's different than a non-believer. But the truth is usually whatever we find our pa- ourselves passionate about, is exactly what we should be doing. And then we just identify that and develop that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I've told yeah. people before that if you if there's certain areas of the church that you're really frustrated by, you, you constantly see this, ah, oh, they're not doing that right. This is so irritating yep. to me that they won't. That chances are that's something that you're supposed to be involved exactly. in because you're clearly passionate about it. You see a need, you see something yep. wrong there, and it's probably yep. the spirit kind of saying, hey. It's something you're always thinking about, something you're always concerned about, something you're yep. always paying attention yep. to. Chances are that's your deal. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think we don't always see clearly what our gifts are or what are, but other people see it more clearly yeah. than us oftentimes. Yeah. So I, I would say, I know it's been your experience too, even even being pushed towards being a pastor was something that um, was done outside of me. People right. saw these gifts and, and pushed me towards them. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize like, oh, because like you said, yeah. we, we often want the ones that are the coolest. So you think, oh, I must have this gift because it's right. I'm a prophet. Yeah. Well, make sure that, that's, that other people are, <laughs> are seeing that in you perhaps, not yeah. just, yeah, you. Yeah. I think I would just add to that that like you know what what are you good at and and use that to benefit the church. Yeah. You know? So this is where it gets kind of funky, right? Is because we can look at maybe hospitality or or evangelism or things like that 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 we can do um, that aren't really questioned or or weird. But then you come to some of what's on this list right here, uh, like like tongues right. or prophesying, and then you're going okay, this goes beyond like just something we're naturally wired with or have a passion for these seem to be things that are determined determined by him rather than us and that's where it gets kind of weird there's different thoughts on like like can someone who has the gift of healing go wherever they want and just exercise healing like i I don't know how that works or or is it something that supernaturally um, has to be imparted at the right place right time for the right reason right like are they able to just walk around and dispense it like they want to and so this is where i think some of it because we can't answer these things we just are like let's just not even pay attention right. <laughs> these are just weird you know <clears throat> well, well paul it, it, a couple of chapters later in chapter 14 of first corinthians comes to this conclusion this is if you want to see a manifestation of the spirit Love. then strive to excel at building up the church yeah and so, you know, when you're talking about, you know, weird or not weird gifts, you know, sign gifts, ministry gifts, whatever you want to label them or call them, that it's all meant to build up the church and edify sure. the church. Well, and I think that's a good point because I think so many people use these to, to put the spotlight on themselves. Right. And, and anytime we're doing that, we're we're off. Right. You know, and so if, if these gifts are attracting attention to you, they're, they're not really yep. of God. They're not important to the church. But if they're building the church up and, and you know, encouraging other believers and, mm. and drawing them to Jesus, that's right. a good sign that they're of God. Yeah. And so whatever it is that, that you're wired for, um, you know, use that to, to build up the church, right? And again, that should be the mindset, though, of every believer. Yeah. When you show up on a Sunday morning, are you coming to receive or are you coming to pour out to others? Right. And, and obviously it's a little bit of both, but I think so many people just come with that mindset of, of you know, I'm here for me, I'm yep. here to get. And you're going to have a pretty lousy church experience. If you come with the idea that I'm going to encourage, I'm going to love, I'm going to serve, and that's your whole point of coming to, for other people, uh, your gifts are going to rise to the surface, right. and you're going to be building up the, the church. Yeah. So, I think of even the people that um, you know that put out the pastries and things in the mornings. Yeah. That like a behind the scenes kind of thing that a lot of people just don't see. You know who they are. You know God, God has given them a, a unique wiring to, to. That's their contribution or one of their contributions uh, to the church. Uh, and even a simple thing like that that we might not consider all that spiritual. You know, cutting up the donuts and putting them out. <laughs> Um, it wasn't know, on this list. It's not on the list, right? But <laughs> but it builds up the church. It edifies the church because it gives people you know opportunities to fellowship, and that's their way to serve. Yeah. And, um, you know what a neat thing that is. Um, Romans twelve three to eight. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So what do we take from that? Well, it's not, yeah, it's not, not just one right. by one, but just broadly. Not just what we're, it, it's not just what we're doing that matters, it's how we do it. So it's not just, you know, what gift we have, it's how we dispense the gift, how we walk in the gift. Right. Yeah. Well, and again, they're, they're, they're going to be varied. You know, it's, it's not, not everybody's going to be a hand, not everybody's going to be a foot. It's, it's going to be a little bit of everything yeah. to build up. And, and I, again, that interdependency and that everybody matters in the church. So even stuff that we would think that that's not a very important part, it has a purpose in the body. And we have all kinds of those things in our bodies right now. The little hangy ball on the back of your throat. I don't know what that does. I don't know what it's for, but I'm pretty sure it's important. Right. So. Gives you're you, saying we got some hangy balls in the church? This gives you vibrato when you see. Is that what it is? Well, and again, is that, is that good? And you need it, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> That's called an uvula. I don't know what that was. That was vibrato. I can't do it for, yeah. you know, for real. <laughs> um, and, and we also take from that, that that we do these things as an act of faith, right? We, we serve as an act of faith. We exercise our gifts as an act of faith in God. So not only do we build up the church, but we demonstrate uh, our faith as we... Um, live in the way that God has wired us to live, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we're thinking of spiritual gifts in those terms, like that's not weird. Right. Well, and I think that one of the things we tried to institute from the very start of this church was uh, this is not a cruise ship. It's not a place for you to sit down with, with a you know a nice little drink with an umbrella and, and just take in the show, but that you're supposed to be an active part of a battleship. Mm-hmm. So whether you've got a weapon or an oar or you're shoveling core coal into the furnace or whatever it happens to be. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I know about ships. <laughs> That's a really old yeah. ship. I know. Yeah. I don't know. That's not the Titanic. It's not okay. Uh, but everybody has a part to play. And, and, and so on one hand, we as leaders have to make sure that we make that possible because so many churches, the leadership, it's like we're the pros. Let us handle it. Right. And you guys just sit back and, and, and enjoy it. Put money in the box. Put money in the box and we'll take care of the rest. That's not a good church model. It's not a biblical um, model. And, you know, and then so you have to free people up to do it, but but everybody has a part to play, and it yeah. needs to buy into that. Yeah, yeah. The Bible even tells us that it's our job as pastors to equip the saints for yep. the work of the ministry. Right. So to teach people, uh, you know, how how to function on the battleship. Yeah, that's our job. Uh, Glenn made a comment. Uh, he says people tend to focus on the gifts before they understand their calling. Calling comes first, right? Question mark. Hmm. hmm. I mean, if, if so, there's there's the ministry gifts. I think you kind of mentioned this earlier, and this is what I would say is Ephesians four. It's the fivefold ministry right. of like leadership. Th- those are calling, in my opinion. And so, yeah, it's good for for those to obviously be identified by people outside of us before we self-appoint ourselves to them. Right. Yeah. Right. But but a lot of a lot of what I think is said, like the list you just talked about in Romans 12, like th- those are things that we could be walking in for years, you know, without knowing. Even that they're yeah. wired into our personality yeah. by God from the start. Yeah. And so, so that's where the, these are just things that have always yeah, been they're natural. Um, and also, so I don't, I don't know natural which comes first, the calling or the gifting, exactly how that works. But, um, but it is, it is really cool when it becomes identified 
and you're almost free to walk in your gifts and, and to right. serve the church. When somebody lets you know what that is, and that might be part of what he's talking about as far as yeah. calling. When that happens, I know that happened for us. At one point when somebody almost handed you the baton of, uh, you can go and do this, yeah. um, it changed everything. Yeah, when it's been bona fide by others yeah. that yeah. are trustworthy in their judgment, yeah. then that, that changes everything. Yeah, it all comes alive at that point. Yeah. And in that sense, I would agree with, yeah. with it. Yeah. But I don't know when they're put in you or how, they, how that works. Right. <clears throat> I think some of the gifting I have, you know, was there before I even became a Christian, which sure. is how I was wired. Exactly. My personality was a certain way. Yeah. But then God, you know, through his spirit is using. Right. But then calling yeah, happened later. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think people, you know, Christian or non-Christian, like people can be wired, you know, for kindness or hospitality or, mm-hmm. you know, those those kinds of things or having, you know, service-oriented, right. you know, kind of mentality. And, and you don't necessarily have to be a Christian to have those, you know, hard wirings from God. But, but as Christians, when we're in the church, God gives us, yeah. A unique way to use those well, and, and ways then, that he's wired. Pretty us. soon, you're using them not just for for you, but you're using them for the glory of God. Right. Which that changes everything. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool when when you get to God doesn't need us. He doesn't. You know, these things are just gifts that He's given. But but when we get to use them for His glory and to make His His name great, what a cool thing! That yeah. Is, so. Yeah. I think of a, a friend of mine who years ago had this one particular. He was in a church and he wanted to serve in, in a particular capacity. And the church didn't necessarily have a need in that moment for him to do that, um, but had this need over here and said, as a matter of fact, not only do we have this need, but it seems like you know you might be gifted to fill this other need. And he's like, I don't want to do that. And they went through this process of you know talking about like you know some validation or or, or being bona fide, where they just said, let's survey the church about you and, and just ask people how they think that you're gifted and how you're wired. And overwhelmingly, people in the church said, we think you're gifted in this area over here. Uh, and so he kind of begrudgingly said, well, all right, if everybody thinks that, okay. Uh, and then just became uh, embraced mm-hmm. that thing over time uh, once people affirmed that in him and once he was walking in you know, his gifting the way that God wired. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of a cool way to It's nice when people it. settle into that kind of a thing because I think uh, you know, I, we've known people over the years that they, they believe they're supposed to be doing this and they really want to get there. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, there's never a point where it seems like that's what God's doing. And, and so when they, sometimes you just have to settle into what, what he has called you to yeah. be content with that. Well, that's the, ch- that's the challenge with us um, self-appointing. Yeah. Is that our view of ourselves <laughs> is extremely <laughs> different than like the reality of ourselves right. to those around us. Yeah. And so like it, like it's not a mistake that the Bible uses those around us to make the identification legitimate and then, you know, light, light the fire, you know, um, it's, it's those outside. Cause we, we, yeah. I, I misevaluate myself all the time and we see, People in our congregation misevaluate what they think their strengths are all the time. Right. You know. So. Well, and that there's that idea that you know, to who is who, the person that's been given you know little, and, and, and done well with that, then maybe more will be given. So you know, start with that thing that maybe you think is beneath you, right. and see where it goes from there. But you know, maybe there will be something more. But but do that well. Yeah. 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 And, and one of you nailed it earlier. Like it's it's about you know coming with the expectation of you know what can I contribute? How can I serve? Yeah. Um, you know what can, what can flow out of me rather than you know what's flowing in mm-hmm. my direction, right? Well, and I would just say also it, just in our leadership team the fact that uh, we're all called to pastor, but we're all differently gifted in that, and and the fact that we have three that fill each other's gaps, and you know again that's even the name of this podcast, yeah. one decent pastor. That's really what it has to do with. Um, David fills me in in areas where I can't you know even begin to you know I don't have that visionary kind of thing and. You, you know, there's things, you know, we all have different strengths right. and weaknesses right. together when those are combined. So sh- shepherding is well. the common task, but the the way that we carry that out yes. is, is up to God. 
and not like it's different. Yeah. It's diverse. And that's why I guess I was getting to the, the, the team approach to whatever it is we're doing in the church is really cool, and, and we would encourage that to, to be developed more. So if you're involved in any kind of a leadership position or you're um, overseeing any kind of a group, you should have somebody that you're training up behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there should be a team aspect, whether it's youth ministry, recovery ministry, community groups, whatever. As a team, you're going to be better equipped to lead that right. group than you will on your own. And you're also training up a replacement, so you're also exactly. discipling somebody as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last scripture on this topic, First Peter 4, 10 to 11. I've got that here. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Kind of all these scriptures that we're reading are getting to this point, like it, like it's God who gets the glory, not not mm-hmm. man who gets the glory. Uh, God's the center of attention, not the person exercising their gift, um, and and that's that's just where some of these movements go off the rails. Um, is that the glory is, is very much a man thing and not a God thing? Well, again, if we can focus on something as a church or be known for something, so many churches today want to be known for this, the sensational, mm-hmm. the exciting, that kind of thing. And and I think when it comes back to what you even read in First Corinthians thirteen. Uh, love, you know, is going to be the greatest testimony to the outside world. Yeah, um, it's it's sustainable. It's not something you always have to. You know, it, it's just it's, it's actually the, it's the, the point. Better thing. The building yeah. up of the body. Yes, love. Yep. Like they're they're really synonymous. The way that Paul ends up, you know, the conclusion he comes to there, like that's yeah. what it's all about. When we're loving other people, we are going to build up the body. Right. Yeah. So, so when somebody walks in and sees the love of God, and, and you know us loving God and, and us loving each other well, that's going to be way more exciting and more right. important than, than seeing, you know, bouncy houses and laser shows and, right. and people running around and, you know, flags, whatever, I, you know, glitter falling from the sky. That's what, that'll build a church, uh, but it's like an amusement park of yeah. exciting things that, and it does draw a crowd, but I would much rather be known as I was going to say, it doesn't necessarily build a church, it draws a crowd. It draws a crowd, correct. I know. It, it builds yeah. numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. necessarily build a church, you're right. Well, Our the place Bible, is doing that, that we build churches. Something. <laughs> yeah. Something's being built. The Bible yeah. doesn't tell us that the world will know who the disciples of Christ are by how weird they are, or how spiritual they are, or how sensational they are, right. or how fantastic they are. But, but the world will know who the followers of Christ are by the way that we love one yeah. another. Well, Paul, that's what Plain Paul does in Corinth, right? Yeah. Like these people are sitting around, obviously, like Stacking doing a me gifts. fest, yeah. right? Yeah. And he's like, "What? These non these outsiders, these unbelievers are walking in here, and this is what they're saying, and why they don't need to be saying this? Yeah. Like it doesn't it doesn't do anybody any good, you yeah. know what I mean? So, um, yeah, he kind of throws the whole thing on its head and talks about priorities. Yeah, you know. What, what, what are we focusing on? What are we emphasizing when we get together? Yep. Ain't that stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Cool. Anything else on spiritual gifts before we move on to the next one? Heck no. We're going to try to do a, uh, on the next one, we're going to try to do a workshop. A workshop. Um, to go ahead and talk about it. Evangelism. Yeah. So evangelism is a big deal. We're big on evangelism. We like evangelism. The Bible, Jesus likes evangelism. <laughs> uh, and we can all learn how to do better in our evangelism. But, so, but wait a second. But wait a second. Wasn't one of the spiritual gifts evangelism? Shouldn't they take care of that for us? One of the ministerial. That question's coming. Yeah. One of the I mean, ministerial. Let them take care of it and we get to sit back and, and pray for them. There we go. <laughs> So Pay be- them to do it. So before yes. we get to that, because that is a question, uh, what is evangelism? Maybe we could, I mean, maybe a silly question, but what, right. is, what is evangelism? What are we talking about? I mean, the, the, the very simplest terms is just um, proclaiming the gospel to people around us. So letting them know about their sin, about their need for a Savior, and, and how they can 
uh, receive Christ. Okay, so, so it's not just about God loves you and has a great plan for your life? No, it, it's, like the, it's the message the, is more than that. It's the good news and the bad news. Right. Uh, the bad news kind of leads into the good news, but... But yeah, evangelism is that kind of a, that having that, that hard conversation, and that's what freaks everybody out. Honestly, yeah. about it is that's why even what I was just joking about, you know, since Lord, can you send somebody else? Um, is pretty appealing because that's a hard conversation to have. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You will make enemies, right? I mean, Christ speaks to that and kind of guarantees us that right. if if we're out act, actively doing this and walking in this, that like, yeah, people are going to hate you, right? <laughs> so we don't. We're like, I don't want someone hating me. Like, why am I going to go do that? There's people that think that when they, you know, somebody sneezes and they say, God bless you, uh, that they've evangelized, they've evangelized or shared the gospel. Yeah. Or they, they say, you know, hey, uh, you should come to church someday. Or, right. That's not what evangelism no. is. It's not just right. letting or, somebody hey, I'll know. pray for you. Yeah, letting somebody you know. know you're a Christian. There's more to it than that. And I think we, we're freaked out a little bit by it. So we, we try to get close to it without really diving right. in. <laughs> right. So that, so it leads to a question that are all Christians called or, or required, I mean, that's a weird word, but... Like, are all Christians, should all Christians evangelize? You guys should. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, the Great Commission, I think, is pretty clear. It's not the great suggestion. Uh, it's, you know, we've been commissioned by God to go and make disciples. And that's yeah. done through telling them the message. It's, right. There's no two ways about it. So, right. Yes. So, uh, if all Christians then are called to evangelize, are there some that are uniquely gifted in that way. Yeah, just oh, like yeah. we see in any in any unique gifting is you you know just because um, we're pastors doesn't mean that even my wife doesn't have pastoral characteristics. Whoa, you know whoa, I mean? whoa! And and, and and God has given her that you know with kids over the family in a in a way. I mean, obviously, I'm anyway, I'm getting myself in trouble here, but you know what I'm saying. We're bordering into another discussion. So here. these things these things bleed, right? Right. But you've got people that that uh, are, are more endowed, that, are, that specialize in these things so that other people can, can see how they're, how they're done, you know? And again, these people are a gift yep. to the body of Christ because of their ability, you know, that God has given them, the measure in which God has given them to go and, and accomplish these things. Uh, but we get to look at those people and go, oh, that's what it looks like. I want to do that. Well, and that's, yeah. what, that's what should happen. But we, we see how good they, how natural it comes to them. You can watch somebody who's truly got a, the gift of evangelism. They'll walk up to somebody like it's no big deal. And before, yeah. they're just off and running, sharing the gospel mm-hmm. in seconds. And then, you know, but again, that's meant to, to infuse that in us. Right. It should be an infectious thing. So it's not yeah. just let them go do it. Right. We need to watch and learn and, and get excited about it as well. Yeah. yeah. I, le- I Doug Rayleigh's one that I really learned this from because um, uh, I spent a lot of time just normal, you know, time with him. And I was not at all evangelistically minded, like in any way whatsoever. I didn't even have that doctrine tucked away, filed away, that this was my purpose on earth as a person in the church. This is what Christ wants from me as a, as a follower, is to proclaim him among the nations. Like it never crossed my mind. That's something someone else did. And it was really watching him and just that natural uh, ability, desire, need, priority in his life wherever he went to infuse that into his conversations and be intentional about it and uh and it just uh, inspired me quite yeah. honestly like maybe a bad word but it inspired me to want to be like that it's like that is, that is how i'm supposed to be yeah and i do want to be like that you are like that well I, i'm learning <laughs> right I'm, I, I, yeah. I, I'm learning um and so i think that's that's how the succession works is that those who maybe are better at it or, or those who are farther along with it are showing the rest of us mm-hmm. how to be inspired and, and purposeful yeah. you know, with our evangelism. 
Yeah. So what what does what what should evangelism look like for the believer? Like when we think of an evangelist, we might think of you know the Billy Grahams, Greg Laurie's, Luis Palau's of the world who you know are filling stadiums and putting on events uh, and those kinds of things. And, and I would you know I think we would all agree like that's that's not for everybody you right. know, to do that. What just for that kind of the average Joe you know type Christian? What what does evangelism look like? Mm. Yeah, you don't have to fill a stadium, do you? Um, no. If it looked like that, then yeah, very few people would be able to be an evangelist. Yeah. So it, it absolutely looks like um, what we look like where we are in our lives and the people that are, that our lives consist of. Yeah. So it's 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 really lifestyle, for lack of a well, that is a good term. I'm yeah. not going to apologize. Lifestyle evangelism, wherever you are, whoever God has put, you know, in your life, those are the ones that you should be putting your crosshairs on. So you're saying you don't necessarily have to go somewhere else, no, other than where you are. Well, I think the Great Commission is, right. you know, you know, as you go, right, as you're going, is is the is the way that that's phrased. I think there's two ways that we kind of look at evangelism, and one of us, one of them freaks us out a little bit more than the other. But there's like the the air war and the ground mm-hmm. war, uh, and the air war is where you just kind of walk into a setting and drop a bomb on them, and then walk away. And and I think we see that you know there's there's YouTube channels that are full of those guys that are just walking yeah. up to a random stranger on the street and boom, right, and that terrifies me. And then there's the ground war idea where you just live in a community where you're known as a follower of Christ, and, and hopefully your life is you know somewhat exemplary in some way, yeah. you know, and, and, and then you basically live among these people in an outspoken way, in a loving way, in a way that um, cares about them, isn't just in there to put a notch on your belt, but right. you're really invested in that person and their life and their family um, with the goal of proclaiming Christ to them so that they might be saved. I mean, that's... That's kind of more, and especially a church like ours in, in small communities in Lapine and, and in Sun River, we get to be known kind of pretty well in that community. We have way more yeah. of an opportunity as a local church yep. in, um, entity than most churches do in, in bigger cities yeah. because word spreads. That small right. community, everybody knows everybody. It's it's a web, you know, and so stuff gets around. And yeah. so everything we do is a little bit more magnified, a little bit more noticeable. Sure. Which is part of the reason why Which is good and bad. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but but it can but it can obviously be really good if we're being evangelistically intentional and mindful right. in everything we're doing. So yeah, I was gonna say that's part of the reason why we do some of the the ministries that we do as far as the warming shelter and and food ministries and, and different things like even trunk or treat. That's something that really benefits the church. Nothing. Yeah. It yeah. benefits them, and, and we actually like that. We want them to know that we want to benefit sure. them. So. Yeah, and the goal isn't again just to do fun things for the community for the sake of whatever. I mean, it's really to to have the, to gain that opportunity, you know, that someday they might walk into the church yep. in desperate need, and yeah. we'll have and that opportunity. Will oh, you're not all bigots. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that like it might be God's intentional plan that, that we would evangelize in, in the corner of the world that we live in. Mm. So, some some are called to go, you know, hop on a plane and you know, like, might you know, even be going in a country, but. Yeah. But God has all He's placed us where He's placed us, and given us the circle that He's given us, so that these things can ring true. Yeah. Yes. So what well, what keeps us from it's doing not, that? It's not either or; it's both and. Right. So so there are people that are called to go other places, but but wherever you are, that's where you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So so what keeps us then from engaging in evangelism in our circles? Well, I think, I think it's think. what I said earlier: it's fear. Yeah. So like we, you know, we. We fear man more than we fear God at the end of the day. Like, we want to keep this relationship. We don't want this relationship to be compromised. We don't want people to right. think less of us than we think they think of us right now. 
and so it's it's you know kind of where we started you know it's the things that jesus said like people are gonna hate you right. revile you say nasty things about you because of my namesake um but it's okay go do it yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's, um, it's the plan but we right? go no it's that. not okay i'm not gonna go do it like it, this is immediate yeah that's later like a, no, I'm not going to compromise this relationship. We have to reorient our minds, though, that if, if we truly care about somebody, the most loving thing that's, we can do is to tell them the truth. Because at some point, it's going to be too late. And, and if you see somebody speeding towards a cliff and you're not willing to say, hey, you're, you know, the bridge is out, you need to do something. I mean, that's not loving at all. Right. And so, you know, they might get mad at you. They might. But I, I always, you know, this is maybe wrong to think of, but I, I picture that that moment where you're standing there. Uh, before the Lord and, and we're on one side where we're, you know the wheat and the tares have been separated out and there's people in my life that are looking at me you know on the on the other side and going you knew and you didn't right. say anything and, and I have an opportunity now to do that and, and why wouldn't I to save face to right. you know it's just if you believe hell is real and people are really going to go there what in the heck are we doing right so that's where really evangelism switches is what you're hitting on like this is this is where it really changes. I think it's where it really changed in my life. It was that stupid old question from Devil Tackett. You know, yeah. do you really believe that what you believe is really real? And there's points in our Christianity regularly where we need to sit back and ask ourselves that question: Do yeah. I really believe that what I believe is really real? If I do, uh, hell, hell um, is not okay upon our worst enemies, even. Mm-hmm. And and there's there's some urgency that that right. becomes established, right? And then we need to respond, you know, to that urgency because we really believe it, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And, and the truth is we can really believe it and cower right. because we're cowards, yeah, right. you know, and, um, and all those things. Um, but, but each day I want to learn how to be more like him rather than the coward that I am, you know? <laughs> so. I think there's also something to be said about um, relying on, on, you know, the Spirit's leading as we go about our, there's times when we'll be in a place and we're seeking that opportunity. We're mindful of it. We're wanting, but, but there's kind of like you just, the doors not really mm-hmm. seem to be open. And there's other times when it, it just really flows naturally. Mm-hmm. I think there's some people, especially evangelists, the people that have the gift, yeah. they're just trying to kick doors down everywhere. They're, they're a hammer no matter what. Yeah. Right? And, and, and they're just looking for a nail everywhere. Yeah. And there can be times we've all seen that. I think there's, it, it's put a bad taste in our mouth. Even when you've watched the, the, the blowhorn Christians yep. uh-huh. um, with no love, no, right. you know, just, just it's obnoxious almost, and and I think that, that we, we sometimes think that that's what we're going to be like if we do that. We don't have to do that. We, right. You know, we don't have to be that way. Right. right. Um, so, you know, sensing the spirits leading, you know, or getting kind of getting your feet a little wet maybe, and, and before you you know go in all the way, it, it helps. Yeah. Well, co- compassion helps, right? So, yes. so we can even go back to this, you know, First Corinthians chapter thirteen, where we already were different subject on this, right? Like without love, yeah. like you can be doing all the right things. Um, and it's worthless, yep. <laughs> right? And so evangelism, and we know that God is bigger than that and works in spite of us, but, but evangelism is one of those things where, where compassion, because hell is real, and we really believe the things that our Bible tells us, um, like we, we, compassion is what leads us to evangelism. Right. And when compassion leads us to evangelism, before people, we will be delicate. We will be wise. We will be yeah. mindful. We, were, we will be careful. We will be sensitive. We will be bold. We will be all these things right. that we need to be if we're leading with love because the Spirit's gone. Right. Ultimately. Some people evangelize out of their anger and out of their offense. Totally, dude. And, and it's terrible. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I know a couple of those. I was going to mention names, and I thought, that would be dumb. 
Um, Glenn made a comment I think is good. He says, if we regard evangelism as a gift, then some can say they don't have the gift. But if evangelism is a function from Ephesians 4, it's for the entire body. Yeah. So it, it is both, I think, is what we were saying earlier. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a definite ministerial gift given by God to some yeah. for the church. But it's also um, a universal function and and. It's, it's marching orders yeah. for anybody who calls themselves a Christ follower. So it's right. both these things. Right. Yeah, it would be like there's there's evangel there's people who evangelize and then there's the disobedient. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it doesn't. That's Spurgeon. Yeah. Spurgeon said that. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. pretty much the... Yeah. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. I think even, he, or he said one like it that was like, if, if you're in the church, uh, you're either a missionary or an imposter. Yeah. You know? yeah. So so you're, you're either all on mission, yeah. which is to go out and to... Proclaim Christ in the name, or you're an yeah. imposter. Yeah. Like, no, what do you do? It was Piper that said this, there's the senders, the goers, and the disobedient. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. and, and ultimately, this is why we want to do that evangelism uh, course soon, is because there's a lot of people in the church that actually do want to, to, to get better at this and figure this out yeah. and, and be obedient, but they don't feel like they have the tools or the, the know They don't know where to, to start. Yeah. And so we, we, we're going to try to do a Saturday workshop or something yeah. like that soon to. Hopefully, give people some tools yeah. and some confidence to. I have a feeling yeah, we're coming into a season where we'll be talking about this subject a lot. I did, I don't know why. I just feel like yeah. we're we're kind of there, and God's doing something. The wind is kind of blowing. Where He's going to light some fires again. Where we're out, you know, being on the offense, right? You mm-hmm. know, so we've we've been tucked away for three <laughs> years. I think we're about we're ready to it's go time. on the yeah. offense. Yeah. So um, in a moment, I'm gonna. You have some good helpful questions that people can ask that I've heard you say more than once, like oh. engaging in evangelists. Yeah. I want to, in a moment, ask you those, but I want to unpack some scripture here first. Okay. Uh, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, has a lot to say uh, about uh, evangelism. So 2 Corinthians 5.11, it says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. What do you think Paul means by that? Where are you at? 2 Corinthians 5. Oh, 2 Corinthians. Sorry. Verse 11, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And, and you hit on it earlier about you know, we fear man oftentimes right. more, more than we fear God. Um, but what, what's Paul getting at? What's the connection between knowing the fear of the Lord and persuading others? Well, Paul would even use the word once in a while, I think even in 2 Corinthians, um, implore. I am implore yeah. you, right? And so that right. it's this strong language of necessity. Like this isn't like something that's optional where um, well, you might share with someone or you might not. Like like we implore people because yeah. there's nothing more important for us or them <laughs> right. than that they know who, um, who, who, who the Lord is. And so, um, yeah, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing that the wrath, like you talked about, um, is abiding on those who do not believe. We, we want to be persuasive. Yeah. We want to persuade them away from it. Even the, the idea rat. that we'll stand before God one day and give an answer for what we're done, and the person that we were supposed to be evangelizing is going to stand before God someday in the fear of the Lord at some point should be kind of a motivator for both of those yeah, things. Yeah, absolutely. He goes on to say in St. Romans 5, 14 and 15, he says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so again, this goes back to knowing knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing what Christ has done for us. And if Christ has done these things for us, right. th- then it would make sense that we would then, as much as it's up to us, 
uh, implore people because we're controlled uh, by this love of Christ. I think other versions use the word compel. Yeah. The love of Christ compels us. The exorcist uses compel (laughs) over and over again. (laughs) Well, he he uses that word love again too. Yeah. So, so here, here you have again, this, uh, this foundation in which evangelism all the way around um, even comes into being, right? It's it's from the knowledge of what he's done for us, right? And then the knowledge of their worth and their value yep. because of our worth and our value. And so it, it just, you know, keeps cycling through the whole process. The love of Christ. It goes on in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And there's the gospel. It's that simple, verse 21. Right. Like, variations of that will do. Right. It'll make the dead come alive. And it's actually God's plan. It says that he makes his appeal through us. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's the plan. Yep. Not not a suggestion or an idea, but it's the plan. Not because we're good. Right. But because he's good. Right. Not because of our ability to love or whatever, but because of his ability to love. Right. He has made us, I mean, we're, um, we, get, we get to testify, you know, as, as clients now. Right. Like, like we're junk. Right. And What's he that? reconciled I'm not, us. I'm not only a, a right. member of the right. Club thing. President. I'm, I'm also a, a president, client. but I'm also a client. That's yeah. right, dude. <laughs> right. Like, like we, we, we get, you know, what he's done on, done on our behalf. And now that he's done that on our behalf, he's, he's actually entrusted us to go out and, right. and, um, you know, push this thing farther, yeah. extend it farther. Yeah. It's it's crazy thing to think that he's made us ministers of reconciliation. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. He's, he's basically called, he's, we're ambassadors. Worst now. representatives ever. It's true. <laughs> and even, even the message, you know, we, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the power of God uh, to save. And, and so we have this message and he's used, you know, again, we're broken, cracked pots, you know, jars yeah. of clay, whatever. And, and yet that, that seeing Christ in broken people is going to compel other people to come mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, and absolutely. so that's that's the message. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's going to doesn't make sense. Yeah, he could do it a hundred different ways that would probably make more sense to us, but he uses us. Yeah, yep, yeah, so. by his design. Yep. So for people that might be tuning in, and this is where maybe you can share your your questions. But you know, what, what would you say to people that, that even after hearing this, maybe maybe they're convinced, you know, by the argument that we've put forth, that are still saying like, I don't, I don't know, what do I do? How do I do this? You, you have some really good simple questions that people can ask well, as they uh, the, the, there's there's those but real quickly one of the questions that I, we just have learned to ask over the years is just ask people are you a churchgoer yeah. um, it's not an offensive question and it opens up a ton of stuff so when you're talking to a non-believer you're just sitting around the fire pit because we'll, we'll at some point they find out we're pastors and that usually opens right. things up too but if you're if you're just sitting there talking you know hey are you a churchgoer most people won't be they'll be they'll think that's a compliment yeah. not an offensive question mm-hmm. and and you'll be off and running with you know they might tell you you know, it might shut down quickly, yeah. but it could open up into something else. <laughs> but as you're, as you're engaging with somebody, um, and I just think these are helpful questions, ask somebody what is a Christian, um, and listen to what they say. You'll learn a lot about their theology. Ask somebody how you become a Christian. So how do, how do you become a Christian? They'll tell you. You'll, again, you'll hear about their soteriology, what they believe about how you become saved, um, and then ask them why they would become a Christian. And again, you're going to learn a ton. And, and you want to hear something like, 
I'm a, I'm a sinner in need of God's grace. If you hear something weird like, you know, why would you become a Christian? You know, to make my life better, to, to get more stuff, to be, you know, you might hear the prosperity gospel come yeah. out. You might hear a sinner desperate for Christ. And then, of course, you, the last question is, do you want to become a Christian? Because you always want to close the deal if you're right. in sales. But I, I've, I've just found that you, you, if, you're, if we don't ask the right questions, because a lot of people walk up and say, are you a Christian? And the person will say yes. And you'll be like, cool, I'm out. <laughs> well, that may be. And I have so many, I've, I've talked to so many people over the years that say, oh, they're a Christian. What do you base that on? What do you, you know, that we've got to know, we've got to probe right. a little deeper. And so some variation of those questions will help you to probe deep enough to where you might find out if this is a person who's deceived or truly does know Christ. And that matters. So evangelism is just going out and saying, you know, how many Christians are here today? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And then you're off to the next crowd. You, you haven't learned anything yet. And I'm, I'm, of the, I'm convinced that a lot of the people that are sitting in our churches today don't know Christ. And they're not being asked the right questions. Right. So probe. So the, the small the small talk matters, um, like yeah. you, even the stuff before you get to, did you grow up in the church or, you know, whatever. Um, because what you're doing is you're, you're investigating, like you're conducting an investigation to collect information, to know how to respond, to know what direction to take these people to the cross. And so a lot of that has to do with background. A lot of it has to do with... Um, just the way they were raised, the way that they think, where they went to school. Like all that right. stuff's going to help us collect the information that we need um, to be most, you know, maybe effective or whatever you want to call it in taking them to the cross or taking them to where we where Even we Even what's to, turned right. them off of, you know, for, about Christianity or church over the years, that, that'll, that'll all come exactly. out. Exactly. So, yeah. so you're collecting information mm-hmm. is right. like so important. And it's kind yeah. of what Paul did, you know. He plus, plus, you're caring about them, too. Sorry. Right. Yeah. At the same time, you're showing them by asking them more questions than they're asking you. You're right. not talking about yourself. You're talking about them. Yeah. Why? Because you're interested in them. Right. And that's the first thing that these people are going to notice right. before, oh, they're a Christian, I'm a non-Christian. None of that's going to matter. They're going to go, this this person like is kind. Like, yeah. this person cares about me. Right. So so we're, we're doing two things, you know. We're, we're getting the information we need. We're collecting the, the data. But we're also really being compassionate and going, I, I want to hear about you. Right. Like it's both those things, you know. So, and it's fascinating yeah. to, to actually sit and have those conversations with people and learn about them. And you do find you, you're not just pretending to care about them. Right. You do care about yeah. them. You walk away caring about them. Yeah. yeah. Which is cool. I was thinking of, you know, Paul becoming all things to all men yeah. so that he might win some. And that's exactly what that, that's about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you guys are saying that evangelism is an intentional act of the Christian. Yeah. It's not something that happens by accident. Yeah. You know, I think we all maybe are, are waiting. Like, well, maybe somebody will ask me one day. You know, like what that, that, ver- that verse yeah. in, in Peter. You know, be prepared to give an answer to the hope. Well, okay, well, I'm ready if someone asks me. Or yeah, I'm kind right. of ready if someone asks me. And of course, nobody ever asks you that. Yeah. Um, so it's an intentional act. You yeah. know, the conversations that we initiate uh, with people by asking yes. you know, questions. Yeah. And it can yeah. be invested and involved, yeah. which is probably another reason why people don't do it. Right. It's because you're not going to sit around and talk to somebody that is a stranger or, or that you have nothing in common with yeah. um, long enough to get to know them. Like, yeah. why do you care? You know? So like evangelism too is, is it can be an event. God can orchestrate that. Sure. Oftentimes it is in the Bible. Oftentimes it is, but it can also be an investment where you're just, you're yeah. chipping away over long periods of time by being involved relationally with this person. Right. I think of my barber right now. I keep waiting, like, Lord, when, when, when are you going to do something with this dude? For three years now, I've been sitting in this dude's barber chair. You know what I mean? Probably, you know, seven, eight times a year. 
and uh, we have long invested conversations and now they're pretty open they've moved past the yeah. you know we're long past the uh, the small talk and we, we we get down to nitty-gritty and homie hasn't given over yet but he knows and he tells me that over and over again i just appreciate like the way that you actually love me and talk right. to me and treat me you know and it's like cool you know so we're working towards something yeah and, cool. and the cool thing is it's not up to you to make sure he he bows before the lord right. and confesses that he's you know that that's you're 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 casting the seeds down yep. the holy spirit's job is to do the rest and yep, so right. you're being obedient to god and god is pleased yep. with what you're doing regardless of the outcome right because right. again i think sometimes if we don't get the outcome we, we you know oh, we failed mm -hmm. no Anytime you share the gospel, it's a win. Yep. Yeah. Kind of like the mailman. It's a mailman's job to deliver the mail, but he doesn't yes. come to your door and say, hey, you might want to open this envelope. Like, right. he, he just puts the mail in the box, right? And, yeah. and just faithfully does his job. You know, the rain, the sleet, the snow, the hail, whatever. That's yeah. right. Right. Well, well, we're about time, but I, I was thinking of when, when you were um, asking that question about do you go to church? I remember years ago I used to work with this guy. Uh, his name was Caesar, and, and I gave him a ride home one day. And on the way home, he asked me, he's like, so do you go to church? And I said, yeah, I do. Do you? And he says, no. It's <laughs> just like, oh, okay, well, why did you ask me if I went to church? I was like, I was just curious. <laughs> and it wasn't like anything about, I, I, I only know the guy for like a week. It wasn't that he saw something in me. He just, it was just a, a curious, weird question for a guy a that sissy. doesn't go to church. It's like, I don't go to church, but do you? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But again, that's not, you probably weren't offended at all. By no, the not at all. It's, not at all. And, you know, and then you turn around and say, well, well yeah. how come you don't go? Yeah. And yeah, it led to a cool conversation, yeah. but he initiated it. It doesn't have to be as <laughs> awkward as we we make it out to be, and that's right. the point. It can be a very organic, normal conversation with people. Right. Um, so, and interestingly, both of the subjects we talked about today, uh, will those exist in heaven? It's kind of an interesting Ooh. thing to think about. Evangelism certainly yeah. won't, and there's right. something about the, even the gifts that talks about when the perfect comes. It's very, po it's so, very yeah. possible. To get, well, so, the ministerial gifts, maybe not. Yeah. But. Yeah, so, I mean, so there's kind of something about the here and the now that these yeah. things matter. Well, it's evangelism for sure. Yeah, right? for sure. All right, evangelism yeah. is something that won't yeah. smoke, be taking smoke place. Smoke all you got them. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good note to end on right there. In the future final kingdom of heaven, yeah. there's, there's no reason for the gospel to go forth. The gospel will be fully realized, yeah. you know, in that which is present. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, what do you guys want to pray? You, I prayed in, so yeah. you can't pray, do both. Pray <laughs> Lord, thank you for the topics today. Thank you for um, reminding us um, why we're here. That even the gifts and the way that we do what we do uh, is ultimately because of what you've given us. God, help us to um, to walk in them well, uh, to dispense them well, to build up the body well, uh, to love the body well, uh, to seek out every opportunity we can to walk in that which is of you. And uh, also to, to just share about you, which, which really is why we're here. We exist on earth and not there where you are right now because um, people need to hear about Jesus and we're the ones to do it. And so I pray for, for you to empower us and, and to lead us into um, a greater desire to do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, by the way, I should say it's my anniversary today. So oh, is it? Happy my wife's watching. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. 30 years? 32, 32 years. Yeah. yeah. No one's married 32 years anymore. I just met somebody who was 48, and the Kreps are in Hawaii celebrating their 50s. They are, aren't they? My, I, I didn't know this, but my aunt and uncle, 62 years. That's wow. hardcore. Yeah. I didn't even realize they were old enough to be married for 62 years. My parents years. are coming up on 60 this summer, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My so. parents are 55, so yeah. I guess there's a few people still married. Yeah. <laughs> praise, right. praise God. Praise God. That, that stay married. That's yeah. right. That's Amen. cool. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for tuning in to One Decent Pastor. If you'd like more information about the church, go to our website at thedoor3r.org. Thank you.